Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us. You can follow the show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,100 members, most of them pretty active, talking baseball all through the year. Baseball365, where baseball lives 365 days a year. And if you'd like to support the show, hop onto iTunes, and over there you can give us a five-star rating and or leave us a nice review. We would be very appreciative if you took a couple moments to do that. As always, all of these plugs are in the show notes, so just in your podcast player, go to the show notes, and links to all of these are above. On tonight's episode, it's part two of the preseason prediction or preseason previews position previews that's what I'm trying to say for the first base position Andrew and I just went over the top 15 16 I think it was in the first podcast and we cut it off and this is the second half where we talk about all the first basemen after outside of the top 16 there'll be a couple guys that Andrew will talk about that are two of his favorite buys out of this draft actually I think for all three of them are on this episode. So here you go We and enjoy. So let's go into that next tier. We got uh, 17 through 23 on first baseman. Jake Cronenworth with a 151 ADP, and that's going to keep tumbling because as we talked about recently, they've signed the import from Korea. I th- it was Korea, right? Do you remember? Yeah, Kim? Ha-Sung Kim. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, Cronenworth is at 151 right now. Then we got Reese Hoskins at 170, Josh Bell at 183, Christian Walker at 186, Jared Walsh at 187, Miguel Sano at 189, and Trey Mancini at 189. So after these first basemen, there isn't another first baseman taken from the position for almost 40 picks. So this is the end of a tier, and there's a pretty big gap. And we have to start here with Josh Bell. 183 ADP, but that's going to rise with him going to Washington. How far up here do you think he moves in these one first base ranks? Like, where do you think his ADP is going to be going forward? Um, I think it's going to be, well, just to give you an idea, I took him in my draft that I'm doing right now since he went to the Nats at 152 so the second pick of the 11th round um i think it's gonna probably settle somewhere in like right around where hosmer's going maybe a little behind him yeah but yeah like 130 to 140 150 somewhere in there i think that's where it it settles you know like at the end of or like from now until maybe this season starts. Cause this, you know, you factor in all the October drafts and stuff. It's, it's just a different set of circumstances now. And, and how much you think that that matters is purely up to you, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's different. So. And I took bell in the 
10th round at 142 overall in my current draft. So, yeah. And that was right. I, I, I think he had just been traded or maybe a couple of days before whenever I made that pick. And I was thrilled to take him there. And, you know, I agree. I think he's going to go earlier. We're, he's gone in in 10 drafts on NFBC since Christmas that have I think they do this like when the draft ends is how they chart it. So, but yeah, the last 10 drafts basically that have finished on FBC, he's um, at a range of 150 to 194. So it's actually a little bit, uh, a little bit behind what I said. Hmm. I took him, I took him kind of at the top end of that range. I think he could continue to creep up. Um, it's just kind of, it's one of those things for me. And by the way, I didn't mention this, but this is a guy that I'm really targeting. Um, And I I liked him some still in Pittsburgh, but even more now, obviously it's, you know, you go from Pittsburgh to, to Washington. Now he's got um, Trey Turner, Juan Soto hitting ahead of him. Um, I'm pretty, pretty confident in saying that he's probably going to be hitting cleanup in that lineup. There's not a, ton of forces in that lineup but those two are definitely uh definitely forces don't you disparage the name of adam frazier and colin moran thank you very much oh no i was talking i was talking about washington (laughs) no i know but that's who we had before oh yeah right (laughs) yeah deadly that's deadly (laughs) um but yeah i just you know the year before 37 bombs 116 rbi 94 runs scored 277 i mean he was a total stud truck up Struck out less than 20% of the time, walked 12% of the time. Um, and, you know, some will say that there was a short run. I think he had one or two really hot months that year. Yeah, the second and half then last, wasn't pretty. Yeah, yeah last year awesome. fell off. That's all fair. I mean, I, I'm betting on a bounce back a little bit, giving him, you know, a little bit of uh, an excuse for 2020. And uh, But, yeah, I, I just think that he can hit I, – I mean, I don't expect his – average to be great maybe like 250 to 260 somewhere in there but i think he's going to hit for power and i think he's going to drive in a ton of runs like i could see him driving in 100 or more potentially but um yeah i just think it's a good value and uh, it's kind of like one of those as i look up and down the the first base you know adps it's like i feel like he can provide what guys going much higher can provide. So it's just one of those similarity things. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I have some other guys that I like later too, like pairing with him that we'll get to. Um, but yeah, he's just a guy that I'm really comfortable with at this price. Maybe, you know, even ho- a little higher than this. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with taking him in round 11, maybe even round 10. So, yeah, around 10, 11, and I think it's going to continue to creep up a little bit as people think more about that lineup and kind of the context of all of that. So here's my bet I wanted to propose. Okay. In my draft, I was between Josh Bell and Eric Hosmer, and I took Josh Bell. Eric Hosmer went the very next pick. (laughs) So... And it was close. I, mind you, I, I thought it was fairly close. You know, I was like, I was actually looking at both of them. Um, here's my bet. So you said 
that you think Hosmer can outproduce Goldie, right? I I with my bold prediction, yes. I think they're pretty much the same guy. Yes. Okay. So Goldie, Hosmer, and Bell. Those three. Mm-hmm. If Hosmer finishes first of the three, you win the bet. And if Hosmer finishes third of the three, I win the bet. And if he finishes second, it's a push. Why not just do Hosmer versus Bell? That's where I thought you were going because to go Bell's, that. Well, because Bell's going later. Oh. And, and Goldie's going ahead of him. <laughs> okay. I so see. it makes it even. Hosmer's in the middle. Man, this sounds difficult. But okay. No, it's just, it's just Hosmer. Fin- you say Hosmer outproduces Goldie and Bell. And I say he doesn't. And if he finishes second, it's a push. I'll take it because, but I again, I because you you have to take. It. Yes, I know, I do have to take it. And honestly, I, well, I, main, I was going to let just you. So you know, the, the reason I kind of came up with this is because Goldie's going <clears throat> roughly the same amount ahead of Hosmer as Hosmer is ahead of Bell. It's yes. fairly even. So. I just kind of looked at it, and because you made the comment, I actually, for the record, I mean, I don't love, love Goldie, but I'm just incorporating him to kind of, like, level this out, and um, here's and, my, I, and I do rather, would rather have him. Than, here's my counter to that, and I'm, I'm going to go with it anyways, but I think Bell and Hosmer are probably going to have close to the same ADP in a couple weeks, like, for the rest of the offseason anyways. I think... Bell's going to push himself up to that range. Maybe not quite there, but pretty dang close. I think it'll be 140 to 150 by the time we're into January. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So that's that's why I think. And what I was going to finish after you did the Bell spiel is everything I said about Eric Hosmer, I feel pretty similarly about Bell now. I think Bell has the upside to do what I said Hosmer has. And I think Bell... Like I would project him to have a very, very good season, like a much better season than I would have guessed in Pittsburgh to where I'm totally in on Bell. I took him at 142. Hosmer just went and I wanted Bell. Next. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. And that's I mean, I feel pretty much the same way about both of them. So I feel weird making this bet for that reason. But now oh, what the hell? It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And I'm big on Hosmer and. I want to. Yeah. I'll, so, if, so if Hosmer finishes first of those three, you win. If he finishes third, I win. Okay. Second push. We got a deal. Deal. Cool. Okay. We have talked about Jared Walsh this off season. Sounds like you're kind of liking him. Is there anybody else on this tier you you're on, in on or you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, Walsh. I'm. I'm fine with. I I'm probably not really getting him because. Uh, just of like the way that I, you know, like I'm, like I said, I'm kind of taking Bell in this tier, but I think he's fine. I think he's gonna play quite a bit. I don't really have any real concerns with his playing time, and he obviously was really good last year. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about Hoskins. He's like a tough one for me because he does walk a lot and barrel the ball a lot, so. But, it's but I don't know. For, always horrible. For some, yeah. For some reason, I just can't ever get myself talked into into Hoskins, really. And Sano, I've always wanted to believe in. He's like the the other side of it. I've always wanted to believe in Sano, and he just continues to not do it. So, 
I don't know. I think if Sano ever really panned out, it'd be a beautiful thing, but I'm kind of losing faith in that, I think, for obvious reasons. Hoskins was another one I took in my first draft and hold with Winder. I got him in the 14th round, so it was around, I think, pick 208. If I'm counting right here right, I might be off a few picks, and I just felt like he had slipped, so I went on and jumped on him, but... Yeah, it's it's a whole lot of the a whole lot of very similar guys. You know, two fifty ish batting average in this once that with um, you know, twenty five to thirty home run projection, except for Miguel Sano. And Anton Macklin did ask about Sano and asked if he would ever hit two fifty. So I did some digging and went and looked and to see if he had done it before, because I was wondering, I was like, is this in a two fifty again? Because I think he's done it before. And he did it twice. In 2015, wasn't it? Wasn't it Alonzo that he asked about? No, he asked to know. I put it in the notes accidentally as Alonzo. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, he meant to know. I was looking at the notes. I'm like, wait, no, that's not right. Oh yeah, he asked about to know. So the question is, will Sano ever hit 250 again? Because he did do it twice. And you, I know Sano's been a guy you've been in on before. I really don't know your take on him right now, but. You know, I want you to touch on him. First off, do you think he hits 250 again? Secondly, where are you at on him? Oh man, I don't, I don't know about the 250. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't ever like saying he never will again, or like completely dismissing something because he's 27, and you know that's quite a few years there where it could happen. I. But I, I don't see it in the short term. No, I don't see him hitting 250. Uh, I think he's pretty much is what he is. I mean, he's got a lot of power. Exit velocity, hard hit rates are up there with basically anybody in baseball. Swings and misses a ton. So he kind of really is what he is at this point. I mean, I, I, also, I also feel like he's... Um, a little bit of a a tough bet to stay healthy at this point. I think that's fair to say. I mean, he did play 53 games this 60-game season, but um, 105 the year before that, 71 the year before that. He's never cleared 120 games in a season. So that there's an issue there. Obviously, you know, they do have the DH at least if they don't resign Cruz as a possibility for where he would play, so... I don't know. It's kind of tough. He's got a lot of power, so I'll give him that, but I, I really can't give him much else at this point. Do you remember a couple of years ago when they were actually trying him in right field? Can you believe that? Vaguely, vaguely <laughs> yeah. Sound, sounds funny now, yeah. But um, when I think of Sano at this point, well, the thought going through my head is I almost feel like he's a right-handed, injury-prone Joey Gallo at this point. He's got the potential to hit 40-plus home runs if he could actually stay healthy. But his, yeah. his strikeout rate's going to be in the mid to high 30s and with a lot of walks. But I just, yeah, I don't think he'll hit 250 again if he ever, as long as he plays 100 games in a season. It's just, but Yeah, I mean, think about this. He, he has never had 80 runs scored or 80 RBI, wow. ever. Not yeah. one time. Well, he's never played Neither. 117 games in a season. And, yeah, and so it's like, you know, of the five standard categories, this just in, you're not getting steals. 
<laughs> you're not you're not getting batting average. He's a 241 career hitter, and I would project him going forward to probably be below that. Yep. Um. And then you know it's it's power, and if he hits for enough of it, maybe the the runs in RBI are there. But I just feel like it's hard to project. Expected batting averages the last four years: 240, 176. 236-215, and the walk rate was lower last year, and the K rate was higher. Obviously, smaller sample, but yeah, he's a he's a real extreme player that I just feel like even at his top end is probably delivering two to three categories. So, um, you know, the thing that that I thought wanted to follow up with is. He hasn't played 117 games in a season yet, and Steamer projects him for 150. And, you know, if he could actually oh play... God, do yeah. they really? Yeah, 150 oh games with 39 God. home runs, 87 yeah, under, runs, and 98 RBI. Oh, my God, I'd under that all day. And also, that's we're talking the, about that's him like not... The easy, that's the easiest under. I, I can't even believe that. You're talking about games. him not stealing many game bases. He stole two bases in his career, and Steamer projects another two this year. <laughs> well those will be on sports center i know i know that much you know if i do believe if he could play 130 140 games he would push 90 to 100 runs and rbi i believe that's very possible for him yeah, but i also I think don't think R- he can yeah i think the rbi more so but yeah i mean i don't know just a lot of a lot of question marks other than the home run totals yeah, he just can't stay healthy that's my opinion. I mean, it's kind of like the Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton thing at this point. Big body guy who, I mean, he's younger than those guys too. Well, maybe not Judge. They're pretty, probably close to the same. But yeah, he's young. He's younger than Stanton. He's Sano's twenty-seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we'll move on here. Right, yeah, we'll move on from here and go into the next three guys, and that would be Hunter Dozier. With an ADP of two uh, two thirty six, he's first base and outfield eligible. Jaimer Candelario has an ADP of two forty four, first base, third base eligible. And Ryan McMahon two fifty seven overall, first base, second base, and third base eligible. And I thought I'd group these three here because they are multi position eligible players here. Um, how would you rank them, or is is there one of them you like out of this group, given the fact that they're all kind of Utility guys who could be handy I would, in draft and hold. Yeah, I would rank them uh, Jamer 1, Dozier 2, and McMahon distant third. I'm glad you um, used the word distant because that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I I kind of like Jamer a little bit. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, StatCast data is really good on him. He's still young. He's on the right team as far as uh, playing time and all of that stuff. Like, he's not really at risk of – Losing any of that, um, you know, pretty good walk rates and stuff, close to double or right around 10% for his career. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I kind of like him. Um, Dozier's fine, no real, real strong opinion on him. I had a share of him last year, he was kind of beat up a little bit, but McMahon, I'm just, I'm just totally out, man. I, I, I'm just. I don't know. I, I, I just don't think he's any good, to be honest. I, I think that McMahon at this point, it's like, 
all you're buying is just the fact that he plays on the Rockies and he's in course. And the inconsistent playing time that the Rockies give a lot of these guys, it almost negates everything that's positive about a course hitter. You know, it just completely nixes it. So, and I just, like I said, I just don't think he's very good. And I think that it's almost kind of like one of those guys at this point that in a year or two, it might just be like, see ya, like we're done, you know? And I don't have much faith in him really, even going forward, all that stuff. So he's definitely, he's definitely third for me of that group. He's got to be approaching arbitration eligibility soon. And, yeah, that's a guy that just might get DFA'd when the time comes because, yeah, he's not he's not producing when he's playing. I own him right. in our Rotomasters Dynasty League, and I traded for him a few years ago in a trade I don't want to talk think about ever again. But, um, anyways, McMahon is on my squad, and I've got a competitive squad, and I just don't think that whenever – cut down day comes I'm going to be able to hang on to him so he's probably going to have to be a guy I put on the block over the course of the next month or two and just see what I can get for him um okay well let's move on to the next group here and we have uh first baseman 27 through 34 and these guys are going between picks 263 and 300 so for eight guys here they're all going pretty close together uh Rowdy Telez with an ADP of 263 Bobby Dahlbeck with the um, Boston at 269. Andrew Vaughn at 275. Yuli Gurriel at 282. Uh, Jesus Aguilar with Miami at 296. Tommy Lastella at 297. Wilmer Flores at 299. And Carlos Santana with the Royals at 301. Another group here. Who are your guys from this group? Definitely... Andrew Vaughn and definitely Carlos Santana. I, I have, uh, you know, I feel really comfortable with first base this year going some combination of Bell, Vaughn, Santana. And I'm mostly talking draft and holds because in a standard 30 round draft with seven bench spots, maybe you're not um, drafting this many first basemen and stuff, but um, I'd like to get one of those guys. And, you know, if it's not Bell, then it's somebody else, maybe like Rizzo, Goldie, Bohm, whatever, you know, in that range. But um, I wouldn't exactly want to pair Bohm with Vaughn, but I want Vaughn. I just – I feel like that this is another situation like Robert Madrigal, Eloy, where he's up early and uh, potentially even opening day. If they sign him to an extension, there's a clear opening – He's a good hitter, college bat, advanced, you know, advanced hitter and all of that. So um, I feel like there's just an opening, and I think he can be really good, um, especially when you consider that, you know, he, where he's going. I mean, this is like round 17 or wh- whatever it is. I can't even do the math right now, but 275. I know I've gotten him in, I've gotten him in a couple drafts, and I took him in round 18 and round 17. So, uh, but I like the mixture of like him and bell Santana too. I like, I mean, pick 300 for Santana. It's, it's just one of those things that I feel like he has a high floor last year. He was going like in round nine, obviously disappointed with the batting average, but the year before he hit 281 and had an awesome season, 34 homers, 110 RBIs. I believe it was, I don't have it pulled up, but I think that's right. Um, 
and his OBPs are always awesome because he walks a ton. So uh, KC, he's not going to lose any playing time. He'll hit in the middle of that lineup all year. And while it's not the most beautiful lineup in the world, I mean, at the same time, he, he's just not going to lose any of the PT. So I like that uh, kind of blend there as you hammer out first base. I feel like I'm kind of going with that in uh, basically every draft, or at least that's kind of what I'm what I'm wanting is like Bell, Vaughn, Santana, uh, a couple other guys, even a little later here. But, and I, I feel like between those guys, you're going to get a capable first base, like a quality first baseman. It may not be the exact one you think right now, but um, I just think that it's the right blend. And I, I think it'll work. And this is a good time to have a strategy conversation, just at least to bring this up when you're doing these drafts, and especially when you're doing these um, mock drafts, drafts and draft and holds, and you're looking at these boards, you got to find what positions you're okay waiting at to get at the end yeah. of the draft. Because if you don't, you're just taking the best player all the time, and you're not really think giving that thought. You might at the end of the draft be looking at and realizing you need a third baseman, and looking at the third baseman available and hating them, or second base, or whatever position. I'm just randomly yep. saying. So you got to find what that is to where if you're looking at guys that are close earlier in the draft, you know to go that other position because you know you can get the player you like later. And I bring that up for Andrew Vaughn and Carlos Santana and talking about what we talked about at the beginning in terms of how are you attacking this position. You've got this plan that there are first basemen going in the 250 to 300 range that you like enough that you would be fine with them as your corner to where you know, okay, I don't want to take two two first or third basemen in the top 150, 200 picks because then you don't have that option and you might have to be looking at another position that you just don't love as much. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, you can't just – look at the board every time and say best player available. I mean, maybe like I would do that in like a dynasty startup, but not in a, not in a draft and hold that you just, you have to think about, you know, I can't tell you how many times, like I'll have a queue in a draft and hold and I'll, I'll have, you know, say two second basemen, two third basemen, one starter, three relievers or something. And I'll I'll say, okay, well, I've only got the one starter, then I think there's a drop. So I'm gonna take the starter now and get one of the group that I think is you know, you kinda just tier them. It's it's like a tiering system, you know, basically. Um and yeah, I, I just feel like you can make this work with uh with like a tandem or a trio of some of these guys later on at first base. And it you know, if it doesn't work, I mean it doesn't work, but I just feel like you can uh, – I, I feel like it will. I mean, I, I like I like quite a few of these guys, even, like I said, a few in the next group. So, so staying in this group, uh, Tim Weber asked if Rowdy Telez is real. And I have to admit, when I went and looked into his stats and his performance in 2020, I missed this. Uh, 283 batting average, 346 OBP. Eight home runs, 20-plus runs in RBI. I didn't write the games played. I think it was like in 35 games. And a 15% K rate, 8% walk rate. Those are big improvements for what he did in a limited time, his his limited time in his career up till then. 
Are you buying this, Andrew? Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah, I. everything looked good last year. Um, it is kind of, you know, you always, you want to remind yourself that it's 35 games because that is important. But um, some of the underlying stuff even looked good going back to the year before, like he had a really high barrel percentage. Um, and the walks were, he did cut the K's a lot last year, which was good. But some some of the uh, some of the expected stats, like uh, the stat cast stuff, was still pretty good the year before. So um, I'm buying it a little bit. I kind of want to see it a little more, and I'm not sure how much of him I'll I'll actually own. But um, I don't blame people for buying him a little bit. I mean, he's 25, looking like he'll have regular playing time. So I get it. Let me ask it this way: If you're sitting there and Andrew Vaughn and Telez are there, you're taking Vaughn though. Oh, oh, all day. Yeah. Hmm. Man, I'm tempted to make a if Andrew Vaughn's open, hard. opening day bet. Oh, I'll do that in a heartbeat. I, I mean, know you would. Per game, I would take him all day. It's just a matter of I get that there's risk with Vaughn not coming up right away. That's why. I pair him with the guys that yes, are, you know, like I like to, yeah, I like to pair him with the guys that I think have a comfortable floor. So I'm using, you know, like I think in a perfect world, everything I said about Josh Bell, I think in a perfect world, Andrew Vaughn could be better than Josh Bell. That's uh, And I'll... that's, that's why I like to pair them. I don't, I'm not expecting it, but you know, if I, if I have Freddie Freeman, I don't care as much about Andrew Vaughn because he's not surpassing him. You know, I'm, I'm speaking more draft and hold strategies and stuff here, but you get what I mean. Like I like pairing Vaughn with some of these guys that maybe aren't quite as high of a ceiling because if he reaches it, he's probably uh top in all of them. So, but I get that, you know, maybe he's not up till even late May. I mean, I don't know for sure on that, but I just have a good feeling about it specifically with him. Let me ask it to you this way. Let's say tomorrow Andrew Vaughn signs an eight-year deal with the White Sox. So now we know he's going to be up opening day. What would you project his 2021 numbers to look like? What, how would you, like, what do you think he w- is likely to do? I don't, I, I have to think about it. I mean, I'd say... I don't know. Come back to me on that. I don't know. Okay. Because if you're taking them here, I mean, there's a lot of production out of these guys. I'm wondering what you think his production slash ceiling looks like. I'm just curious on that one. So think about it. Maybe we'll circle back. Here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like, you know, risk versus reward too. I mean, you're, we're sitting at, like I said, in the late teens rounds and it's like, if you need some extra punch here, I don't know. I just don't feel like you're getting it with a ton of these guys. I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck, Yuli Gurriel, Jesus Aguilar, Wilmer Flores, those guys specifically, it's like, eh, you yes. know? I like, agree I with feel some a of lot those. better. I feel a lot better about Vaughn's potential if he's in the lineup. And I haven't thought about specific stat lines with him, I guess, because I'm more thinking about when he's going to be up, but – I think he can hit for good average and have some power. And obviously the lineup context is phenomenal. Yes. So 
Yeah, I'd have to think about that. But Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here, and we're going to come back, and we've got another list of eight first basemen to talk about. Next up, we have eight more at first basemen to talk about. Uh, CJ Cron with an ADP of 327. Renato Nunez at 329. Brandon Belt at 356. Nate Lowe at 357. Garrett Cooper, 362. 40th first baseman off the board, Evan White at 382. Michael Chavis, Chavis, however you say it, 383. And he's also first base, second base, and outfield eligible. And Joey Votto, our old Canadian friend, at 404. Okay, let's say you really waited to fill a corner infield. You know, you you like Vaughn, you like Carlos Santana. You missed out on both of those guys. They went earlier than you expected. And you missed out. You didn't take Rowdy Telez. You're out of that tier. You're on to this next tier. Who from this would you draft in that corner infield slot and feel okay with it? Or is there anybody? Are or, we talking or utility? So, so for me, it depends on the format. Draft and hold. Either one. Actually, it depends a little bit on the format and also on who else I've drafted. Um, I think for me, it's Vado in a draft and hold. Okay. Uh, and he was actually the the one. And now that we've gotten through him, I was going to say like specifically my strategy is bell vaughn santana or vado santana first but if i miss santana then vado that's like my draft and hold first baseman ideal scenario um and i also like nate Lowe and evan white a little bit um i think they're both gonna play for sure uh evan white won the gold glove last year so there's no doubt he's going to. I feel like with Lowe, there's some questions. Like, I just don't really know how good he is yet. I mean, I think it's hard to. He has, just hasn't gotten much extended looks. But I think his upside's intriguing. And, like, he's in a spot now where he should get some run. So uh, that actually, in this draft I'm in now, I took Bell. And I actually missed Vaughn, which made me cry a little bit. But I... uh I kind of looked at my pivot was off of him was lower white and I wound up getting Evan white. So I was pleased with that. I mean, those young, you know, just young guys with, you can dream on a little bit, but um, I don't expect anything too crazy out of any of them. Votto steamer projection is the 13th ranked fantasy first baseman. And he is way lower than 13th. Yeah, so I don't buy any he's that steamer production at he's all. He's basically he's basically free and I just feel like um you can do worse, especially for counting stats. So, I just it's one of those things that like like I said I don't mean to belabor the point, but it's like I know he's going to play, I know he's going to get at bats, he's going to hit pretty high in the lineup. And like there's value to that. If you want to guess on a guy like Nate Lowe, it's fine. It could work out. But it all he also could be absolute trash. I mean, and some there's some value to being a professional hitter and like being in there every day. And I just know Votto's gonna do that. It's pick four hundred, you know. So it kind of just depends some on 
where, like, who else you have. Also, the format. I mean, if it's a league where, you know, if it's a standard redraft with seven bench and I'm just, like, putting this guy on my bench, I'm not taking Joey Votto. I'm taking one of the young guys, you know, and just shooting for the upside. But um, draft and hold, a little bit different. So it's kind of some context needed there, I feel like. Yeah, with Votto, I would project about eight less home runs than they've got them. Like, I think that 23 is just crazy, personally. I mean, I I don't know. I know he hit 11 in 54 games this last year, but it's hard for me to buy that when his previous two seasons were 12 and 15. I just, it's hard for me to project 20 plus home runs for that guy. Um, But. On that same yeah, note, I, I actually, I actually kind of agree with you there. But I also get where you're coming from in a draft and hold. At this point, you you know you're getting at bats, and he's safer than any of these guys going down that list. I mean, C.J. Crone and Brandon Belt have missed a lot of time the last couple of years. Nate Lowe and Evan Wider have not proven themselves. Renato Nunez was just released, but um, yeah, I get that. Um. We do. I do. I wanted to play some over unders actually with the two kids. Nate Lowe finally getting the shot in Texas, and Bob Rag and Adam Vega Vega wanted our thoughts on him. And I pulled up his steamer, which projects 506 plate appearances, a 259 batting average, 22 home runs, and 66 RBI. What would you say the over under on the best of those three? Oh boy. Um I will take the under on the batting average on the two fifty nine. I'll take the under. I think I'd take the over on the homers. Okay. And the over on the ribbies. Do you want to make a wager on this? Because I will take the under on this one. Uh Come on, I took the Hosmer one just for grace. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Two out of three? Two out of three. That's fine, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think he's going to – it has a lot to do with – I just think he's going to get plenty of run. I agree. You know, like I, I, I just don't uh, – I don't really see him getting unseated. He's going to have to be really awful, which is possible. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in Texas, there's just nothing – there's nothing really there, so correct. And that I, has a lot. To, that has a lot to do with it more than like me thinking he's this next star or something like that. I I don't think that. The fact that Tampa traded him whenever he's pretty much free right now, I, that just tells that that I'm really reading into that more than anything. You know, our um, Ian Khan, who you've played in leagues with, if you ever hear him talking on podcasts. He always talks about the he he brings a lot of psychology into it, and I don't know if I do that too often, but I am with Nate Lowe. The fact that Tampa just gave him away, it, it makes me wonder why. And I think that they don't they don't make moves like that unless there's something there. And I've heard a few rumblings that he struggles with high velocity. I don't know if that's true or not. I really have no da- I haven't looked in the data to see if that's true. But man, I I'm worried personally. I. Moved him a year ago in an offseason in a dynasty trade, and I was still pretty high on him at that point. Bob was the guy I sent him to. And I did I paid a pretty heavy price to get a deal done. 
And then I really, it wasn't until Tampa moved him last month that I my eyebrow raised. I'm like, why would Tampa do that? So we'll see. Yeah, on that no, one. it's all it's all fair points. I I'm with you on a lot of that stuff. But it, I'm like also said, with you that he plays. Yeah, it's it's really opportunity based for me most yep. of that. And if he's at least even and like semi, one of those things, okay, he's gonna play. right. And it's like one of those things when a guy like this, when you feel comfortable about his opportunity, and you don't really know that he's terrible yet. You know, like some of these guys, you already mm-hmm. know they're terrible. Michael so Davis is bad. It's it's just it's like well, I I mean, I just want to see him get his shot you know yeah. and i feel like in a year we'll have a lot more extensive thought on it because oh, yes. I, I feel like there, we just don't there's a lot of unanswered questions there he could be michael chavis a year from now or he could be ryan mountcastle a year from now either one's possible yeah yeah okay same i got a over under for evan white same uh steamer projects after a really rough year last year 41 percent k rate Steamer projects 234 batting average, 25 home runs, and 72 RBI. I am not going to try to get you in a bet on this, no matter how you say it. But over, under, best of those three. Over, over, over. Ooh, you're liking them. Okay, talk a little about this. Yeah, I just i his uh, his stat cast is really interesting. Actually, it's um. A lot of barrels, 90th percentile barrel percentage, 95th percentile hard hit, 87th percentile velocity. Um, it's weird because batting average sucked and he struck out a ton. He whiffs a ton. Basically, he either swings and misses or crushes it. Like those, <laughs> that's kind of uh, Evan White. I don't know. I don't know how, uh, how confident I feel about the 234, but it's pretty low. So. Just take the over because I like him. I think there's more. I think there's more in there. I just, I, um, I think he's again gonna play a ton, you know, for Gold Glove in the AL at first base, and uh, there's some growth potential there. I think he's only 24, and was a good hitter in the minors and stuff. He's always hit the ball really hard, so, um, just kind of leaning on that a little bit. I feel like he was pretty unlucky too, so. It's real funny because a year ago when this guy's coming up, the scouting report I remember was this guy's going to be a high batting average guy. We don't know if the home runs are going to be there. (laughs) That was the scouting report. And now you look at it a year later, he was striking out 41% of the time. But when you look at the exit velocity and the launch angle, it's like this guy's a boomer bust player is what you see when you look at that to where it's completely different a year later than what you thought he was going to be. It's the, Fun part of prospects when they're coming up. You just don't know until they get into the big sometimes. Yeah, I'm really curious to to see uh to kind of see what he does this year because there's some there's some promising signs, but there's also a ways to go too. Yes. So I'm just um really curious to see how it goes for him. He should probably cut that forty one percent K rate at least a little bit though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh Last question from this tier that I had that we had from a listener was from Doug Boyle. He asks if Brandon Belt's 2020 was real. And man, it was an incredible run last year. 309 batting average, an incredible 425 on base percentage, 
nine home runs, the 20% strikeout rate, and a crazy 16.8% walk rate. If he could even be 70% of this next year, that is crazy value. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm like permanently trained to just ignore Brandon Belt. <laughs> Me too. And he did have a really good season last year, but I don't know. It's just one of those things. I just, it's like I'm over it, you know? I feel like he's been around forever, always been mediocre. And at first base, you just strive for, you, you want so much more than what he's giving you. So I've always just kind of overlooked him. I mean, he has never hit 20 home runs in a season. Never. And he's 32 years old, and he's a first baseman. So there was promising signs this year, and he actually paced for over that. But I don't know. I just, like I said, I've almost just permanently shut my brain off with him because it's one of those things if I was in a league and I – needed a corner infielder or utility guy and he was available I'd, and he was red hot, I'd maybe pick him up. But I just feel like I can always find another option in the draft and I'm just not buying in that much. But his um, his bad at ball data was really good last year. So maybe it's something he builds on for 21. He's always been a launch angle guy. When you watch a swing, it's an uppercut swing. I actually haven't looked at baseball savant to prove that, but just by watching his swing, you see a a um, uppercut swing. And I think a lot of it is San Francisco and being a lefty in San Francisco being tough. And one thing I want to add in, he's 32 years old and he's going to be 33 next offseason, but this is the last year of his deal with the Giants. And I kind of think a sneaky thing to do in Dynasty Leagues, if you can get him for real cheap, is to trade for him this year if you're not competing or if you want to try getting him and holding on to him. Because if he got out of San Francisco, I could see that 20 turning into 25 to 30, or I could see 25 to 30 home runs if he got into a hitter's park. I'm not saying it will happen, but I, I, I can close my eyes and see that happening if he got out of there. I think just... I don't see it. <laughs> I get it. But, man, he's in the worst ballpark for no, left-handed he hitters. Yeah, he does. De- he definitely is. I mean, Barry Bonds and nobody nobody else has ever hit for power in the, on that team as a left-handed hitter. And I think that's a big part of it for him. I, I you know, I actually uh, looking at his games played the last 5 years, he's played more games than I realized. I would have guessed he had some 40 and 50 games played in there. And I mean, he's 100 plus every game every year for these the last few seasons and I don't know. It's more than I thought. I've just always thought of him as this injury-prone guy that keeps missing too much time, and that did happen. He missed a third of a season to in 2017 and 2018. But, yeah, um, for 2021, I don't know if I'd be banking on a twenty like 25 home runs or anything like he was pacing for this last year, but it wouldn't shock me if he had a career high. You know, he's getting up there in years and, you know, developing his manpower, I guess you could say. He did it this last year anyways. Steamer projects 20. Uh, I'd, I'd be, it'd be hard-pressed for me to take the over, but I also wouldn't be shocked. But I think, like, what would you put his line at? I think you'd have it below that 20. 
20 home runs. Now, no, what would you for, put his line? Like, if you were making an over and under, what would you, or what would you project his home runs? Where would you? For belt. Uh, like 17, probably. Yeah. Okay. I've just never, I mean, if you took that every year, you've basically never been wrong. I mean, it's. Yep. Like, under- he's been right around 17, 18 a lot. Yes. Okay. Well, let's take a well, – actually, we just took a break, so we won't take another one. We'll just carry on here, and um, we've got another um, – I've written down for you, Andrew, the rest of the first basemen that are in ADP. And, uh, and that go, I think it went up to about 750 ADP. Are any of these remaining guys interesting enough for you to take in a redraft league with transactions? like seven bench slots or any of these guys interesting to you to target in draft and hold leagues. Let's just start with the seven bench slots first and then we'll move over to the draft and hold. Would you take any of these guys in a standard league? Yeah. A lot of names here. Um, I don't think I would. No. Agreed. I think that, yeah, no, I don't think I would. The only one maybe is if it got to opening day and Josh Fuentes was the starter for the Rockies, then possibly a bench slot. But no, other than that. Britton Allen actually asked us, and we were going to get into Fuentes. He he wanted our thoughts on Fuentes, because if he starts every day, possibly batting fifth behind Aaron Otto, that's kind of exciting. And... My take personally is I give zero faith in Colorado in letting that happen. They're going to sign. Agreed. They're going to sign somebody, or they're going to put. I think they would put Ryan McMahon over there to start the year and have it, uh, um, Garrett Hampson at second. But I, I just they're going to sign somebody. Mark Reynolds is going to come out of retirement and play first base for him before they're going to let Fuentes yeah. play. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it'll happen at all. I. That's why I was just saying if if it was like right around that time yes. or whatever. But yeah. Okay. Well, what about Yeah, nobody nobody else. I mean, I guess like, you know, way down the list, Tristan Cassis if he was up, but mm-hmm. he's not. So, and I don't expect him to be until maybe late in the year. But obviously, you know, if if and when he gets the call, he's going to be relevant in most leagues. So, first base prospect for the uh Boston Red Sox, for anybody that's not sure who that is. So moving over to draft and hold, Cassis is one for you. Are there any of these other guys that you'd be like more likely to take in a draft and hold that you're like filling in bench slots? Man, these are these are some garbage names, man. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. I did take Brasso in in my last one because he's first base, uh second base, third base. It was more to do with that. Just uh position eligibility. But no, not really. I mean, no, it's a bad list, man. It's a bad list. You're really just getting these guys to, to get playing time, and for that reason, I as did... Drupal as Drupal's first and third, so yep. I feel like he's getting it. But um, yeah, most of these are pretty bad. I think Mitch Moreland is one I at least I don't hate in terms of I just feel like he's always going to get at bats somewhere at least versus right-handers, so he's on the right side of a platoon. So I kind of like taking him just to get somebody that I feel like will play because I don't feel that great about most of these others. And actually, Jake Bowers, 
It's funny. I what was it? Was it two years ago? We were in on Jake Bowers. Was it two? I think two years ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. With it this, definitely wasn't. Definitely wasn't last year. With this Cleveland trade, trade that they just made, I think he's got himself a role right now on roster resources, like their number five hitter. I'm loading it right now. Jake Bowers is the starting first baseman for the Indians, hitting fifth on their lineup, and that Jeez. also means. Ugh, when you think about the Indians lineup, but I think he's got an opportunity of playing time between first base or maybe the outfield if he can. I don't know if he even still plays in the outfield some, but there's an opportunity there for him, I think, to where I'm going to bump him up a little bit in my like targets. I think he might be, still be out there in my current draft, and if so, I'm going to get him added to my queue because... It's rough, and the Indians could go sign a couple outfielder first base guys this offseason for real cheap, and he's pointless, but I think I'm going to take a shot on him. Okay. No, sorry, I just didn't have anything to Yeah, I think probably. Andrew's busy throwing <laughs> up in his mouth over there. So we'll... <laughs> sorry. You're, no, you're good. Okay, let's, let's uh, finish this up here with the questions that I asked each I think on every, each position last year, or at least there at the end. Uh, fill in the blank here. The three first basemen I'm most likely to have this year in redraft leagues are blank. Josh Bell, Andrew Vaughn, Carlos Santana. And, How about you? How uh, about you? I would have guessed those. Um, Eric Hosmer... And then Josh Bell are two of them. I honestly don't know who my third one would be. It might be one of these bench guys like Mitch Moreland, to be honest. I think in a draft and hold, I'm most I'm I'm taking him a lot, but Hosmer and Bell are my by the top way, two guys. By the way, you were asking for um what I think of Vaughn's stat line. Yes. You ready? So I'm looking at uh, steamer projections for a lot of these first basemen. Hard for him. Yeah, it's it, not. I'm not looking at his, but um, I think something like they have for Trey Mancini: two sixty-two, twenty-four homers, seventy runs in RBI, and I think that he could surpass that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, again, I'm talking full season, you know. So, yeah, I, something like something like that. If he's up, if he's up opening day, I think he can do that, and I think he can do better than that. But I mean, when you're projecting, you never want to get too crazy, you know. I mean, obviously, like it, there comes a point where it's like you go too high, and you're you're projecting him to basically break record i mean it's just there's a point where it has to stop you know so i would project something around there with um definitely a ceiling from that yeah he does Uh, have a higher ceiling than all those guys around him but i think i don't think i'm near as in on him as you are with it and i think that's part of it is i just don't know if i'm gonna i don't expect to see this great season out of him i think it i mean it's always possible and you're getting him late but I'd almost rather get one of the guys that I feel like can't, like I feel more confident is playing and doing that 
as compared to him, who I'm who I'm not sure. When. Yeah, that's why I'm drafting the other guys. Yes. That's what I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not drafting him as my only. Yeah. For the record, yeah, like if I didn't say that, I'm not drafting him as my first baseman. Like, no. In any the only the only scenario that I would draft him as my first first baseman is I, I think I could probably tuck myself into like Vaughn Santana Votto or Vaughn Santana White or Low or whatever, but that's really pushing it. I mean, that's like the extreme of even what I'm saying with waiting on the position. Yeah. And if he goes off this year, you're going to – I mean, it's a great price. But me personally, I'd rather just take one of the other guys and then use that other spot – that second guy you're taking and take another position personally. I'm, I I think – I've thought about Vaughn a lot because you've been telling me since I think October, November that you're really say, in I, on him. I think one of the first messages I sent you was, "Yep, I'm going to be in on Andrew Vaughn yes. next year. <laughs> yep i remember i remember sending you that message that was that god that had to be november early november you were probably just starting your nfbc draft i don't think you had even yeah. taken them yet or maybe you had just taken them so i've been thinking about it for a while and i just i don't think i'm following you on this one but yeah it's fine if he goes off it's gonna be great for you um Next one, last one question here. Uh, the fir- the three first basemen I will say with confidence that I will not own in redraft leagues are blank. Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith, and I mean, does Ryan McMahon count? <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, if he if he doesn't, then I'll say Voigt. There you go. Okay. Um, because I I do think that once you get past like pick two hundred ish, I don't I don't know. There's just not like there's guys I'm gonna stay away from. But I feel like for you to say hard pass, you got to go with a guy that's going higher. Yes. So. And I'm going to try. Yeah, to I'll say Alon- Alonzo Voigt and Dom Smith. And I agree on those three. I'm going to try to give you three different names just because. And I'm going to say Jose Abreu, which that saddens me to say. I've loved Abreu so many years, year after year. I mean, this is the third year of us doing these off-season pre- preseason preview position previews. I've loved Abreu the last two years. I know without even going back and listening. So yeah, Ab- we were we were in on him last year. I oh yeah. <clears throat> Abreu, I'm going to say Freeman too, and it's, again, I love the player, just um, roster construction-wise, and I'm going to say Paul Goldschmidt. I just I don't think I'm going to end up taking him either. I'm just going to wait a little longer and try going after a Hosmer or a Josh Bell. So those are the three I'm going to say. Again, sol- all solid players, but guys who I'm just probably waiting past till the next tier. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like that with Alonzo too, because I do yes. think he has a ton of power. I mean, it's obvious, you know. I, if he hit forty home runs, I wouldn't even be surprised. But I just feel like that's all he brings to the table. I don't love his hit tool. I mean, I, it's kind of like pick fifty eight. Pick fifty eight, you can have him. You know, it's just I just think it's too high. Yep, I I had him in a dynasty league two years ago with a breakout. And I still wanted no part of him last year. I, I, I think his ADP was pretty close to what Abreu's is now. It was, 
Actually, yeah, I have it. Even, it. I have it. I forgot. I, I it was. Talked. Yeah, I, I think you're right on the money. Yeah, I was going to say like right around thirty something. Yeah, and I wanted no part of that because just like a Abreu, I felt like you were buying high off of the breakout season. And what's not like a Abreu, at least Abreu's got a track record of being a solid producer while he's got one season. Now, right. Now he's played two seasons, but you get my point. Um, yeah. Okay. Well. That rounds it up. We've got one position down and a whole bunch more to go, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, these are good times, man. I love doing these and going through players and talking about them. It's it's fun. Been go, been doing these drafts and it's just you kind of learn how you want to build your team. I think that's like one of the big takeaways for me. It's it's not so much about being in or out on it. I mean, it's it is about being in or out on a guy, but it's also like where you can get comparable players and where you feel like you have to go to different position and stuff like that. You know, like, I mean, just right at the top with Freeman and Bellinger, it's like, yes, I know they're awesome. Yes. I think it's totally fine if you want to take them where they're being drafted, but it's just a route that I'm probably not going to take this year when I'm building my teams. So One of the best things I learned from you, and I think it's one of my best lessons I've ever learned in fantasy two years ago, as you started saying, look at players and then look at what you can get and how similar the production or close is that you can get a couple rounds later. See where the gaps are. See what the things are harder to come by and go take those. And I just see bigger gaps in other positions than I do first base from the top and just it's also harder to fill those speed categories and pitching categories early than it is to fill power or, or to, it's easier to find the power later than it is pitching and speed. So yeah, first base I'm pretty much avoiding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Most, most of the guys are four categories. So you're, you know, you're basically looking at power and average and how much they're going to play and stuff. And when we come back next week, I say this, this is part two of the podcast right here. So this one's been put out probably early in the week, Monday, Tuesday-ish. And we'll be back again probably next fr- this upcoming Friday or at some, some point soon afterwards. I think the plan is to come go across the diamond and have third base podcast. So we'll go to the other corner and we'll touch on that where we can... See a lot, many more four category guys and Jose Ramirez. <laughs> That'll be fun to talk about. Yeah. And his zero lineup protection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You've got to remember to use that line you used in with what you were projecting, but we'll save that one for next week. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be here all the next couple months giving you guys position previews for each position, and we greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.